is just my opinion, yeah, 20-something years, based on experience and everything like that. But part of your experience, strength, and hope is opinions, or is what you get, or is your understanding. It can't just be experiences lead to an understanding. They're just not experiences. You get, you don't, you don't know, you find out. By finding out what life is about, it produces an understanding about it. Yeah? Knowing what life's about doesn't work, but finding out about it. So just like in AA, the higher power's quality is to catch. You won't know that until you fall. It doesn't matter how much studying you do. Yeah? You won't know that something can catch you unless you abandon self. It doesn't mean abandon you. It's abandoning the self. For me, abandoning the self is seeing that it's not me. That was the solution. So AA brings it back to the root of the problem is obsession with self. Self-centeredness, self-seeking is what we think is the root of the problem. My experience is that it's a little bit farther back. If you look at an obsession, let's say I was obsessed with cocaine quite a lot of my life, but I never became coke. I never took myself to be cocaine. I could do tons of it, but I never sort of said, I'm coke. You know, I never, I never crossed that line. It was always that. I'm obsessing over that as this. Yeah? It never got blurred. But identification is different than obsession. Identification is so extremely past obsession that you get to the point that you think you are coke doing coke. You are actually identified as a disease, struggling with the disease. For me, the disease isn't obsession with self, it's identification as a self. The mental process, when it thinks about you, it thinks about you as a body. Yeah? The mental process is identified you as a body. And that's its whole system. It's called self-centeredness. The system of thought and interpretation that you and I have that's infected with alcoholism. Yeah? So the, the, the mental process that's producing a sense of self is infected with alcoholism and is producing an alcoholic self. Yeah? But it's a mental process producing it. It's producing it. And then the thoughts that are going on in our head a lot every day are there to reinforce that identification. That, to me, is the, the obsession with self. So the obsession with self is how to reinforce the identification as a self. Yeah. So, like, I read this thing about spirit. The spirits, in the definition in the Canadian Dictionary, one of its definitions was, it's an aspect of the, it's an immaterial aspect of the person. Yeah? So spirit, it's, yeah. No, no. What it's actually saying is the identification is already in place while you're doing the GAC. Okay. See? Who you think is addicted to the GAC isn't, I don't believe you. Who you think is addicted to the GAC is the mental process, yeah? It's presented you to as a body. So let's say if I'm looking, I'm seeing something here. I'm seeing you, I'm seeing you, I'm seeing you, I'm seeing you. 
Yes? Now, if you ask me who's seeing you, I would say, I am. Yeah? I. And then if I asked again, well, who is this I? I would say me. The me represents a you. I see, my mind sees myself like a you. Yeah? The mental process sees me like you. Like I see you, the mental process sees me as a body. Yes, exactly. So the mental process is identified you as a body, not as a spirit. Yes? And it's thinking about you all day as a body. Yes? And if we live based on being a body, one thing happens. We forget our nature, which is of spirit. Yes? It's, you, like Jesus says, you can't serve two masters at the same time. If you're identified as a body, you can't, the best we do is I'm a spirit having a human experience, but what's saying that is a mind identified as a body. <laughs> it's not spirit. Spirit doesn't say anything. Spirit is just aware. It's awake. It's conscious. Yes? It's not talking to you as you. So, the obsession with self is the way the mind reinforces the identification. So when I take myself to be this, I forget what I am, which is spirit. Yeah? Now this may produce a lot of bad effects, and I may get to the point where I want to check into spirit, yeah? but when I start trying to do spiritual practices, I will be doing spiritual practices as this. I'll be taking this to be me, and then the best I can hope for is to graft spirituality onto my prior condition, which is a body. Yes? That's why it seems difficult. You can practice and practice and practice, and you leave the retreat, and a day later you're screwed again. <coughs> you can go on a month-long retreat or a year retreat. You leave the retreat center. Everything was great, but soon, or just like when you're in a 28-day program. The best, the most important day is the 29th day when you leave. Yeah? The 28th day, you're all feeling all great, but as soon as you walk out, the identification is totally got you, and then basically shit hits the fan again. Yeah? So let's say I want a spiritual solution to give, me, to give me relief as this. So I want to have some spiritual experiences. Well, a spiritual experience would be me as this having a spiritual experience. What spirit is isn't able to be experienced. It's just what is. Yeah. And there's no you that's real to experience it. It, I would say, is the only reality, is spirit. So I don't believe that the immaterial aspect of man, I think that's what man is and woman, is the immaterial aspect, the spirit. Yes. It's like here, let's say, uh, let's say there's a telescope and, you wanna, and a scientist comes over to look at the stars. Yeah. So he looks through the telescope, and the lenses in the telescope allow him, it appears that the stars are closer to him through the telescope. If you see the event, the stars haven't moved closer. Yeah? You would see the telescope and the guy and the stars would be exactly where they were. But to him, looking through the telescope, the stars look like they've come closer. Yes? So something starts to appear to him, but only through the telescope. So let's say spirit can only experience, quote-unquote, itself as other here. Yeah? 
So it goes through this, the lens of the body, and through the lens of the body, it gets to experience someone else as an other. Yeah? But it's not the telescope that's having the experience, is it? The telescope just facilitates it. Yeah? Like I was talking this morning. I had a very, uh, I liked this one Uncle Fred very much when I was young. He used to give me money at relatives' parties and stuff. And this time, Uncle Fred, he passed away. I was nine years old. And so my mother took me to the funeral, and it was an open casket. And I walked by the casket, and, he sh and I looked at Uncle Fred, and I had a very strong hit. That ain't Uncle Fred, yeah? The body was there, and every time I had met Uncle Fred, I thought it was the body, yeah? Because I thought I was the body. But without the spirit, looking at the body, I had a direct hit. That ain't Uncle Fred. It's just the body. I was calling Uncle Fred the body because I've been calling myself a body. And if you had took an eye out of Uncle Fred's head, if he didn't get hurt here, and put it in a live body, that eye would see. But it wasn't seeing out, out of Uncle Fred's body anymore. So the eye had the ability to see, but what was seeing through it wasn't there anymore. Yes? The eye was perfect. It, could, it worked perfectly, but there was no thing facilitate the seeing. There was no aliveness. There was no consciousness or spirit. It had left, in a sense, the body. So, but I assumed he was the body because there was an assumption on the body. Yeah? To me, that's the root dilemma here. Because if you are identified as that, even if the suffering of being a self gets so extreme, you can't entertain truly being free of it because you're identified as it. The best you can do is get therapy for it or socialize it a little better or, you know, maybe pray a lot and get, hope to have a one-month-length relationship or don't flip out at the next picnic. But there's not going to be a real freedom. There's going to be uh, <clears throat> because, in a sense, self can't get out of self. It's impossible. How could, because when you were a kid, they have research, when you were a baby, for a, a period of time after you were born, there was no sense of other yet. It's already proven. There's, the baby is just not a body. It's not assuming it's a body. It's just, as you see it, it's trying to get used to a body. It's jerking around the whole body. But there's consciousness there. That, I would say, is what we are, that consciousness. So let's say, how did, what happened? How did, how did starting like that turn into this? Yeah? I must have grew into something. I grew into a mental system called selfing, or self-centeredness, yeah? Which is the center of the whole system is the idea of being a self, a long-lasting, independent, separate entity. And if you look, when you think about yourself in the past, how do you think about yourself? As a body. The system cannot think about you as a spirit. It's a very defined system of thought. It cannot capture what your nature is. It can only project you as a body. That's what it does. And what you worry about in the future is a body. Yeah? And it's so funny because even the personality of this body that you're worrying about 20 years from now won't be the person you are now. So you're worrying for a total stranger, really. Because you're not going to have the same feeling about you as you're going to have 20 years from now. No way. Just like you didn't have the same feeling as you when you were four or five years old. <laughs> no freaking way. So... <clears throat> 
basically all the mind is worrying about is an image of its own making. And so the mental process makes self. By what? By selfing. That's what it does, yeah? It selfs, in other words, it represents your day and every day to you as an interpretation, doesn't it? When you go home and think about the day, what is that? It's the mind is representing the day. Let's say you go home, and about 8 o'clock at night, after work, you realize you had a bad day. Now, if you were in the day, wouldn't you know that it was bad when it was batting? Why is it that, why is it that you're on like a 13-hour delay? So basically, you don't have a clue what's happening to you. you have, you're informed of it by the head, isn't it true? Exactly. The head is interpreting life. And it represents it. To what, though? What, what is it representing? When the head is trying to convince you of something, who is it trying to convince? The heart. Hmm? You could call it the heart, but the heart's an organ. But let's... Spirit, the mind. Hmm? Spirit. Spirit, let's say, yes? So the head puts a place in position sometimes like this. Like when you're in a AA, this is a lot of times what happens. Let's say Monday you go to work. And Monday you go to work and everything was fine, but when you get home, the head presents the day to you as if everyone's out to get you. The boss is planning to fire you, you know. Uh, everyone's conspiring, all the other co-workers. So the next day you're a little uneasy at work, believing that yeah, interpretation. So now you're like, oh, fuck them, you know. I'm going to do something before they can fire me. And no one's thinking about you at all. Your mind is just going on. So then Tuesday night you go home and you're really flipping out. You can't sleep. So Wednesday you call in sick, you know, and you go, fuck it. As soon as you say, fuck it, yeah, what's the, the mind rushes in with its solution, which is let's get loaded. Yeah? So it presents false evidence. And false evidence cannot be real. It can only appear real to you and me. It cannot be real. It's false. But false evidence appearing real is what we call fear, yeah? So the head presents some false evidence. And if you're ident uh, serious, if there's an identification as this, if you're identified with the center of the thought system, you're not going to have much immunity to the thought system. So when it presents some evidence that's false, it's going to appear to be true to you. Yeah? Once it appears to be true to you, it becomes real for you, yeah? and then a reaction happens as if it's so. So now you flip out about the job and you get yourself fired. But the guy hadn't been thinking of you all week. You know? He doesn't even know you're probably working there. But this, the self-centeredness, the being absorbed, yes, absorbed in this idea of being who you are, is only brought to you and reinforced by thought all day. Yeah? In this moment, do you know you're a body? You've never even seen your face unless you look in a mirror. Yeah. yeah. I can't see my face. The only way I can see my face is by a mirror. Yeah. I can never see. I can see everything else but not here. What the hell is happening? And when you close your eyes, do you think you're inside the cheekbone? Really? You know what I mean? Do you believe you like you stop here and then whatever this is and then you start there? I mean, is it that clearly defined? I mean, come on. Can we mirror thoughts? Hmm? Can we put our thoughts in the mirror? Can you put your thoughts? You don't need to. Your mind's reflecting them all day. Yeah, but that's my mind reflecting 
Yes. It's not your mind reflecting them. You don't have a... See, the whole idea, this is what I'm talking about. Identification as self is a verb. Yeah? It's not like you got a tattoo 20 years ago and now you're identified as self. The mind is verbing, selfing, and when, you have, when you're listening to it and believing it, it's bonding you to this idea of being a self. Yeah? In other words, you're taking yourself to be this. But that taking yourself to be this is brought to you by the thoughts, the thought system. Yeah? It's called self-centeredness for a reason. Self is the center of the whole system. So when you and I look at life, we usually see it as how it pertains to us. It's difficult to see how it pertains to others. Yeah? It just goes right back here, just like this. Yeah? When I was young, my father got really sick when I was six years old. I can't hear, so it's getting weird. And uh, he used to play with me and practice baseball and everything. And then he got sick, and my mother told me, hey, Dad's not going to be able to play with you anymore. And maybe the doctor came and talked to me and maybe some other family members. And very logical, it's, you know, Dad's sick, and that's why he can't go to practice and stuff like that. But because of self-centeredness, I saw it as I must have done something to make my father not want to play with me. It didn't matter how many times people said something. In my prior, the primary conditioning was I had to have something to do with this. That's self-centeredness. In self-centeredness, you always believe you have something to do with it. And in fact, most of the times you have nothing to do with it. But self-centeredness can't see it any other way. Everything is seen as how it pertains to me. Yes. So if someone yawns here and leaves, I may take it personally. Oh, I'm fucking, they hated what I was saying. Maybe they got sick, who knows? But the head, the first way it sees everything is how it pertains to me as a self, which is not what we are. So, in, in a, a big part, like, one of the biggest parts of the book is around page 64 when we're going to do the inventory process. And he has a nice statement there. He says, being convinced... Being convinced that self, and convinced means to believe with certainty. So being convinced that self manifested in various ways, and manifested means appears, yes, appears or manifests. So self manifesting in various ways is what has defeated us. Yeah? So self has defeated us. My belief is self defeated me because I'm identified as it, really. Just like in this room, if we ask, what defeated you? Everyone would have the same answer. Myself. Wouldn't they? You wouldn't just say self. You'd say myself. 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 Yourself hasn't defeated me. Myself has <laughs> defeated me. So self doesn't really defeat us. The identification as self defeats us or allows it to defeat us. Yeah. So here, self manifested in various ways is what has defeated us, we will now look at its common manifestations. And the next paragraph is resentment. Yeah? So this is the way of doing an inventory process. So there's self, manifested in all these ways in my life, defeated us. In other words, he's saying you're not that. Yes? He's already made it clear. Self defeated us. Two different... Da, 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 yeah? So self, manifested in various ways what has defeated us, we will now look at its common manifestations. Resentment is the first one. These are just the common ones. 
So resentment is really an expression of self, this mental process in your life. Yeah? And how does it have an expression? Through you. It issues forth through you, and therefore you'll be looking at some situations, and you will re-feel an old situation, which is what a resentment means. To re means to do again and to feel. It's centauri. So re-feel, resentment, is produced by the mental process. Yeah? Something happens, and it reminds you of a past event, and you re-feel the anger from the old days. Yes? So it's not even happening in a sense. It's the mind sees it, goes, what? This reminds me of when Uncle Joe slapped me in the face. Fuck you, you know? <laughs> so you re-feel it. Yeah? So if, you, if it's a re-feeling, obviously it's not happening now in a sense, yeah? To do again means to do again. In now, there isn't any do again. It's just now. But to do again is past, yes? Something happened and I'm doing it again. So a resentment is a pure product of the mental process. It's looking at something, that something reminds it of something else, and then it has a feeling about that. And then you get to have that experience of the feeling. Yeah. <clears throat> so self is expressing through us into our life. How does it have so much asset, you know, assets, access, access to, to our lives? Every time, any area of our life, be it relationships, money, health, it just walks right in. It's never questioned at the door, is it? Hey, who are you? Before I take your advice, who are you? It just says me. And it walks in. Yeah? So the self must have tons of access into your life if you are experiencing a lot of its expressions. So if you're living in anxiety, yes, that is a true expression of self. That is a true expression of reliance on self. In the fear inventory, he says, why do you have so much fear? Isn't it because self-reliance has failed you? So self-reliance produces anxiety. It's why? Because it's a failed system. So when you're relying on something that's not reliable, you're a little shaky, aren't you? Let's say if you're standing on something that's not reliable, you'll probably be looking down quite a lot. You won't be looking out, you'll be looking... When is this going to collapse? That's exactly the nature that we're in right now. We're relying on something unreliable, and its effects are running rampant in our life. Anxiety is a mental event, a product of what's not happening. Fear is a valid emotion that happens now. If someone rushed in here with a Uzi while I was saving <laughs> Kelly, there would be fear. Right? There would be some anxiety, I mean real fear, because Jesus is an event. But what most of us are experiencing is anxiety, produced mentally. By what? Thinking about what's not happening. Yeah? So let's say I'm worried about next week, next Friday, you know, I'm going to the doctor and my head says I'm going to have cancer. Yeah? I'm going for like, you know, whatever, but cancer could be on the horizon. So that, would, I would say, is false evidence, isn't it? Yeah. First of all, it's not happening, so it's totally inherently false, but it's appearing real to me, so I'm getting engaged with it, and it's having an effect now. So I'm worried about next week, but I'm feeling worried now. See? 
but it's coming from what's not happening. <clears throat> so you can't bring next Friday here. You, there's no airport to land in next Friday. <laughs> Seriously. You can't rent a hotel room in next Friday. It's, this, it doesn't exist. It's in the mental idea. And if you get to next Friday, it won't be next Friday. It'll be now. And every moment you're going towards next Friday will be now. Yes? When you arrive at the future, it's now. There's never a future that you arrive at. It's always now. Yeah? And your head can be totally absorbed in the past, but it's happening now. You cannot leave here. Yeah? Like the whole idea of trying to get into the moment is freaking ridiculous. <laughs> you can't be out of the moment. It's impossible for you to be out of a moment you're in. It is impossible. I don't care how much you're thinking about next week. On the surveillance cameras, you're here. You're not transporting yourself into next Friday. Your mind is. And because we're addicted to mind, we don't have any immunity to that. So we go and then we, have, we harvest a crop of anxiety that gets downloaded now. So here there's no active threat, but you may be very coiled up. Because you're inherently not here. You're in the head and the head is there. Or then. Then or there. Yeah. So in what's not happening, anything can happen. Remember that anything can happen in what's not happening. There's a fork. In what's not happening, anything can happen. Whatever your mind can imagine can happen there. You can be destitute next week. Yeah? Your boyfriend or girlfriend can be sleeping with your best friend next week. You may have to have a preemptive resentment before. I know you're going to be sleeping with her next week. Oh, I never even entertained the idea yet, but now I will. Yeah. Maybe I will be sleeping with her next week. This is totally insane, isn't it? So you're producing a product, your head is, entertaining something that's not so, and dropping it into the body, so there's an experience of what's not so now. Yeah. Are you saying like our brain is some really great marketing system? Yeah, it's a giant advertising campaign. Okay, and so, so we shouldn't let it run anything any more than we would, say, self-identify with our digestive system. So it's just another system. Exactly, okay. just another system. Right. You're not thinking anything. You're the awareness that sees the thoughts. You're not thinking anything. Yeah. Once you identify as being the thinker, it sets off a whole train of thoughts that you will feel you were the thinker of. But it's not, there is no thinker in a sense. It's just thinking, yeah? Right, and the self is essentially a series of stories that we told ourselves. That's right. The self is a thought, really. It's a thought, though, but the tricky thing with this thought, it's wrapped with a feeling. You have a feeling or a sense of self, a feeling. Like when you're walking around, like when there's the witnessing of thoughts, you feel like you're the thinker of them, or they're about you. Yeah, there's just an assumption. It's a feeling, a vague feeling of being a long-lasting, independent, separate entity. This, yeah? And the whole system pictures you as this, obviously. Every time you think about you, you think about you as a body. It's no other way. It's no freaking other way. The system is very small, thinking, self-centeredness. It's extremely small. It it works for one major point to reinforce the idea of being a self. Yeah? And to me, that's the act of denial of your true nature, which is spirit. Yeah? The, and what it does, selfing is trippy because 
if you're identified as it, you don't know you're identified as it. I had to hear it from someone else, or maybe some grace will occur, but basically, you will not know you're identified as self because you're identified as self. It doesn't inform yeah, that bit of information. So, when you, and the, the self thing, its reaction to everything is the claimant. Yeah? So, there's the recognition of body, my body. Recognition of thoughts, I'm the thinker. Yes? So, in a sense, conscious contact is seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, touching. Yeah? The five gates of sense experience. And in Buddhism, they, they say the mind is a sixth sense. And it sees thoughts like the eye sees a bird fly by. Yeah? The mind sees thoughts. The, you know, the eye, if I'm looking this way and a bird flew by, I would see the bird. Now, I may, I may say, I didn't want to see a bird today, but I saw the bird. Yeah? <laughs> so the conscious contact is prior to the mental reaction to it. This is what living is. We're alive. Conscious, consciousness is having contact here. And the mental, the mental process is reacting to that. And it's saying, who's alive? And it's saying, me, as a body. So it takes itself to be the seer, the hearer, the feeler, the taster, the toucher. And just like you just said, it's an incredible little... It's unbelievable leap because you can't even shit when you want. Most of this whole apparatus is involuntarily being run. You're not like, oh, I ate that burrito the other day. I better get back to digesting it. It's getting a little lumpy in there. No. You eat and things happen, yes? But here, the head is sitting here claiming that I'm doing everything. Yeah? I'm seeing. But you're not seeing. They're seeing. They're seeing first, and then the mental reaction goes, "Uh uh-oh. I'm seeing. So here's conscious contact. Let's say this is like a camera or the telescope, and there's spirit or whatever you want to call it looking through us. This thing says, I'm the one that's looking. So it wants to put itself behind the camera, but it's always in front of the camera. It's always in front or after consciousness. So consciousness is having contact here, seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, touching. Then the mental story is, I'm seeing this, and I don't like that, and I'm seeing that, and I like that. So I move towards what I like and move away from what I don't like. And then the whole movie starts, yeah? The selfing just goes off. And we're bonded to that movie. And when you're bonded to that movie, the physical state underlying is going to be irritable, restless, and discontent. The mind and the physicality is going to be upset or agitated. No peace, yeah? So it seeks constantly to get relief from self, but it does it for self because we're identified as self. So when I used to practice spiritual practices, I didn't know this was the case. When I was meditating, I thought I was doing the meditation. So self was claiming the act of meditating, and all it did was become a spiritual self. Just like it was an addictive self when it was shooting dope, when it thought it was doing the meditation, became a spiritual self. They're both bondage to self. One has got a gold chain, the other's the iron chain, but there's still bondage to the idea of being what you're not. So, so can you be detached? Hmm? Can you, without detach, the story goes by, you don't detach yourself to the story, so then spirit is actually being. Yes. yes.
again, again, and again, and again, it seems, in time. But that's all there is. Every moment of time is the same now, in a sense. Yeah. What happens is it just translates to traveling lighter here for me. Sorry, too. Traveling lighter. Lighter. In other words, here, there's a main, uh, this place is interpreted in a dualistic manner. Like your mind works, the world. It works either or, male, female, inhalation, exhalation. Inhalation, in, out. Everything, the universe supposedly was a point, then it exploded, then it's going to implode again. Everything goes like this, here, in this appearance. So the mind believes it can be conscious or unconscious. Yeah, It feels like it can be connected or disconnected. This is just a story, because all you are is consciousness. Yes? So... Hmm? is with one of those things, one of the typical moves of the conditional mind or the mental process is, <clears throat> I call it here, there, here, there, yes? Here, there. So here I am at my house, my little one-bedroom apartment, and uh, I'm happy, everything's fine that day, and I'm looking at a magazine, and in the magazine, they have a beautiful layout of a beautiful couch, yes? So my head goes, man, I really like that couch. And then it starts looking around the room, and it starts noticing the room is couchless. Yeah? There's no room, couch in this room. And it starts thinking how much better my life would be if I had a couch. Yeah? So I look around, I said, and you know what? I'm pissed off at those people who have couches. They didn't tell me how important it is to have a couch. How would they let me go on like this for this long? So I said, and then I'm thinking, I bet you I'd meet a girl, and I'd conceive my first child on that couch. So now... The entertaining this mythical there of arriving, yes, to getting this couch, is really the mind's invalidating the here. Yeah, 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 yeah. So you believe you're just wishing for a better situation, but it's already defined the one you're in now as worse. Yeah. So there's a drive to get out of here, which is the seeking engine, and there's an invalidation of what's actually happening with the hopes that when I get the couch, everything's going to be great. Yeah? Really. I really believe it. So then you work hard, and you start going towards the getting that couch. And the day it's going to be uh, delivered, you call up your friends. Come and join me. The great couch day is going to happen. And they, see, they've been through this themselves. They could care less, you know. So the couch comes, and I made a beautiful room for it. And, oh, yes, bring it in. Bring it in. I've been waiting so long. Bring it right in here. And then I get it in there, and it looks great. 
And my mind goes, yeah. And I sit on it. I go, yeah. And then about 10 minutes later, I realize I've got to get a matching lamp. Yes? Then. So as soon as I arrive at the mythical there, it becomes a here again. Yes? Then the mind presents another there to invalidate the here. And then every here is with the hopes of there. When you get there, it turns into another here. And if you look at it, it's just a long time of slavery. Denying what's happening now with the hopes of another moment that's going to be better than it. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's no escape. What? It's slavery. There's no escape. If, just like if you believe in time, if you truly believe in the past and the future, if things are going well today, you can't really enjoy or abandon yourself to that because you think it may not be going well tomorrow. Yeah? You can't enjoy peace of mind if you're in time. You can't. Peace of mind is only enjoyed now. If it's in time, it will be something that can come and go based on you or your situations. The whole thought system is based in time. Every thought has an ingredient of time. So the best we can do in self-centeredness is, I'll, I'll be okay later. What about now? No, 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 I've got to process this. But later I'll be okay. No, there's a sense of okayness available now. Yeah? But the head will always say, oh, forget now. You'll be better if you do this and get that. What is that but playing God? And it says in our whole program, the how and why of the whole program is to quit playing God. It doesn't work. What is that but playing God? We said it today. God, a day, let's say in God, in this place, a world is one card at a time. Yeah. At 8 o'clock in the morning, it's not 4 o'clock in the afternoon yet. Yeah? It's 8 o'clock in the morning. Then 8, 1, 8, 2, 8, 3. Yeah? The mind wants to tell you how the whole day's going to be. Oh, I know the hand, it sucks. So just fucking don't even get up. <laughs> oh. You can do it for a day, a week, maybe a year, your whole life. It presents false evidence and it appears real to you. Yeah, the day's going to suck. If you believe the day was going to suck, are you going to be jumping up to you know, meet it? <laughs> no, you're going to be withdrawn and coiled up, ready for another blow. This is called playing God. That's what the mind does. And it says we have to quit playing God because it doesn't work. Yeah? I look at you and I may have an opinion of you. Yeah? I think I know you. You know what I mean? Yet, if I think I know you, it stops me from finding out about you in the living of it. Yeah? My head wants to know everything. But when you know something, you neuter it in a way. To find out about something is totally different. You're available, and then you find out about it by being what? Available. But knowing it is, oh, I don't want to be available. I just want to know how this is going to work out. This is one aspect of mind playing God. And the thing is, if you look at alcoholism, doesn't it resemble a parasite to you? Yeah. Doesn't it feel like you've been taken over? Doesn't it feel like you're possessed when you drink? It feels like something takes you over, and it basically uses you for transportation. It takes you wherever it wants to take you, uses you as much as it wants, and then either you die or you're physically exhausted, and then phew, there's a little break. But if alcoholism is a parasite, I say a mental parasite, because it 
you cannot take an x-ray and find alcoholism. It's a mental parasite. It's a very hostile parasite, yeah? If it takes you over, it's not that pleasant. It may be in the beginning, but it's going to be a long ride with it on you, and it's not usually pleasant, yeah? So if a parasite needs a host but has a really bad temperament, <laughs> like most hosts aren't going to really like that parasite to be taking over their life, it's got to have a great fucking strategy. The greatest strategy of all is convince the host that you are the self, the parasite. Yeah? Then, now, no matter what it does through you, you'll claim it to be you doing it. Listen to people when they talk about fear. My fear. Resentments. My resentments. It's the act of identification every day claiming the disease that they want to get out of. It's a sickness. How are you going to get out of something that you keep calling yours? There's got to be a recognition that it's a foreign installment because if it's recognized as a foreign installment, one of the first possibilities that arises in your head, unadorned with that helmet, is I can be free of it. It's like if I had a big tumor here and I thought it was me, I'd have to go to a you know, special tailor and get all my shirts made and then... Then I, yeah, I like driving with it. It's like a little armrest. You know, make a big story about how it's okay to have this huge freaking tumor on the side of my body. And then someone finally comes over and says, hey, you know, they can operate on that. Take it off. What? Oh, yeah, yeah. But what about all my shirts? What about, I won't have an armrest. This is how insane it is. You start thinking, what? But my, uh, what? But if you go in and take it off, yes. It had no effect on you whatsoever. It wasn't you. The same thing. Uh, t- in, the, in the AA program, we do the inventory. So if you hold it as self is what has defeated us, yes? And self manifesting in various ways is how it does it. So self defeats us, but it does it in many ways. Self-pity, all these things. Self-destruction, whatever. Yeah? Okay, so here's a guy who has a, and now we're going to look at his manifestations. Here's a man who lives at a beautiful house, and he has this really nice lawn in the back. And he likes to go in the morning and run around with no shoes on, you know, in the morning dew. He has, a, he has picnics there and, and lawn bowling, and his life has a lot to do with this lawn. And so one day he jumps off the porch with no shoes on, and he lands in a big thing of shit, right? His life immediately gets smaller. He's got to wear shoes now. And then he starts smelling around, and the, the, the lawn smells, and he starts seeing there's a lot of shit. So everybody, Jesus Christ, what happened? So like a true alcoholic, he just goes inside and forget about it for a while. Hopefully he'll disappear. He comes out, there's even more shit. So what does he do? Well, he cancels the picnic, and then he just pulls down the blinds, and he goes to the store and buys pictures of lawns. And he sits in his house, reminiscing how great it was when I had a lawn. You have a lawn, but... What a great, it was so wonderful. I wish I could have my lawn back. Well, there is a lawn, but, but look, at it's, oh, I'm just reminiscing. And so a guy comes over and says, hey, I think I have a solution for you. And you're totally open to the solution. He says, here's a pooper scooper. Yeah? If you get really good at scooping up shit, there'll be a time, at least you'll have about a four by six foot space. You can't have much of a picnic there, but at least you'll be able to stand there and there won't be any shit for a couple hours. So you go, wow, all right. And so you start getting pretty good. And then you get another one, and you're really good. 
and you're working hard and picking up shit, picking up shit, and every once in a while you have a, a little bit of your yard without any shit on it. But as soon as you step back into the house, there's shit when you come back out. So now, now you become really famous for being able to pick up shit really fast on lawns. So people are calling you up, and you're like a circuit speaker. You're walking around, going to groups and talking about pooper scooping, autograph pooper scoopers. Yes, yes. <laughs> now you sort of have an identity as a great authority on pooper scooping. Yeah? So now a guy comes in and uh, says, hey, I have a solution to your problem. And you go, what problem? I'm a big authority. Well, you still got shit, but yeah, but I know how to handle it. Look at that. Have you really been able to run around on your lawn? No, but I get it for a few hours every once in a while. Pretty clean, one, you know, one-twentieth of it. He says, okay, well, if you don't care about the solution, I'll just, I'll just mention it to you. And you're like, oh, what is it? Find the dog. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean, find the dog? Find the dog. The dog in this little story is self. The shit is all of its manifestations in your lawn, your life. Instead of fucking cleaning them up all day with the, with the expectation of having to do more cleaning up, maybe find the dog. If you get rid of the dog, you won't have any shit. They go hand in hand. There ain't no shit without the dog. So there won't be the expressions of self cannot be dominant in your life if you're not identified as self. If you're not identified as self, the shit in your life will diminish. Yeah? Because the parasite won't have access into life through you and won't be shitting all over it. It's like living in a hallway of shitting fans, yeah? Really. We're just all we know we know the shit's gonna hit the fan after it hits us in the face. We're so on a consequential level. We don't know what the fuck's happening. <laughs> and the hope, you know, but then you start having some awareness, and then you can see what turns the sh fan on, and see what aligns the shit with it, and see see your own inclination to go, what's happening? <laughs> you know, it's called a pause. You start living in the pause, the pause before the shit and fans occur. Yeah, the point of surrendered, not surrender, surrendered. You become convinced that any life run on self-will is not going to be successful. You're convinced of that. You believe with certainty. You have become convinced that self is what has defeated me. Yes? You have become convinced that something greater than self can restore me to sanity. Greater than self. Yeah? And when I says abandon yourself to God, I don't believe you're abandoning you. You're abandoning the self. You're giving up this mental system as your God and opening up to another system to run the show. And just like you and I, all day, all we do here is give meaning to things. Yeah, That's what happens here. So let's say today, on Monday, this was a problem because I'm not in good shape Monday. Tuesday, it's not a problem. I'm in good shape. Wednesday, it's a problem again. I'm in bad shape. What is it, actually? It's whatever meaning my mind gives it, basically. Yeah? And if my mind is rooted in self-centeredness, that's the meaning I'm going to give everything. It's going to be a self-centered meaning to life. And every one of us in this room have been through every possibility self-centeredness has to offer. The fairy princess and the fairy prince, you know, a geographic, everything's going to be great when I get this job. The, I'll always be okay later, never now. Yeah? And we've been over every inch of self-centeredness. 
It's a dead system. It's a small system that has failed us. Relying on self is unreliable. Yeah? It's okay. never going to turn into reliability. Hmm? The one you love. The one you love. That's the dog you're feeding. That's the reason why it's hard to get rid of the dog, because you think it's yours. Or it's you. If you realize it wasn't you, just like if you're looking at a playground and there's 30 kids and one of them's your kid, your attention's going to your, your kid, right? It's my kid. Yeah? There's 30 kids, but my kid's getting most of my attention. Just like I said earlier, there was someone in the other room I was interested in, some woman. I don't want to ask her out because I'm afraid she'll reject me, so I want to have my bet hedged, you know, so to speak. So I'm trying to hear what she's saying. Hopefully she's talking about me. And people are here telling me, hey, Paul, you're supposed to be doing this talk. And I agree, but I keep, my attention is in there. I want to see, because she has a lot of meaning to me. She's going to save me. She's going to be the one. Yeah? <laughs> she's going to make everything special yeah so and then someone says okay hey Paul here's a book how to stop listening to conversations in another room read it so I'm oh yeah but still my attention's there but then I finally hear her speak and she's talking about a guy named Matt now my name is Paul as soon as I hear it's about Matt what happens I lose interest like that I don't have to take workshops to lose interest. I just, all my interest leaves there and comes here. Yeah? The same thing. If you see, just like if someone came into your house and started talking about how not, what, what's not happening is driving them crazy, yeah? You'd be bored in about a minute, right? If they started complaining about, I may have cancer, but you don't have cancer, but I may. You know, you'd be freaking bored. But you're not bored with your own story, are you? You've been, your attention's been very, 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 very interested in that for year after year after year. Why? What's the difference? One's their story, which you have an immunity to. One's your story, which you have no immunity to. That's the act of being identified. Yes? A thought is not screwing with us. It's my thought that does it. Like we have the money... Put money up there, sex, relationships, yeah? Everyone has a meeting of those. If you don't have money, it may mean more to you than if someone has money. But all you need to do is add the word my in front of it. It changes the whole weight, yeah? My money. My relationships. Tons of stories. Whew! Mine stories. My sex. Incredible, eh? Just one simple word that represents the act of identifying. It's that is the... That is the the bonding agent, the mind identifying with everything as a self. It's the, source, it's the cause of all suffering. I'm telling you, I've watched it. Alcoholism is just an extreme example of a self-centered modality. We're an extreme example. So, when I held thoughts as not mine, first I first started holding them as alcoholic thoughts, and that brought me a little relief. Yeah? When I realized... Jesus, everyone in this room either has my thoughts and my feelings or my reactions to life, or they're not mine. Yeah? That, hey, I'm suffering from alcoholism, and I don't identify with who you are, but I identify with what's taking you over. Because the same parasite took you over that took me over. No matter where in the world you are, the same effects are going to be exhibited through you, but 
because there's one parasite. It's not millions of parasites. There's one parasite called alcoholism, and it's infected all of us. That's why we identify with each other at meetings, because we're just sharing what it's like to be under the domination of alcoholism. Yeah? And so someone who's under the domination of alcoholism identifies with that. And someone who doesn't have alcoholism probably won't identify with that. Because it has another parasite that's taken them over, in a sense. But we've been taken over by alcoholism. Yes? And so the thoughts that we're experiencing as ours is the act of alcoholism. You're not seeing a thought. You're claiming it to be you. So every time anxiety is produced, you think it's yours. Yes? Everything it's doing through us, we're claiming as it's doing it. It's like... We're pledging, we're pledging like we'd like to be free of it, but we're pledging allegiance to it every act. Because there's the act of identifying. A fear, if I could do an inventory on you in one minute, but then I have months of confusion about me, yeah? I could look at you and go, hey, you're a loser or whatever. But you, oh, I, it's very difficult for me. Why is that? The whole... The whole freedom is when it's not about you. The freedom is really from you. The mental process is producing a you. When you believe it, it becomes you. Your mind obsesses over that, and you're suffering the consequences of that. Because your interest, attention and interest cannot be put in what's happening now. It's in all there and then. Yeah. Can we produce the fertile ground? <laughs> That's again the selfing, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> no, I mean, it's a serious question. I know, sometimes, no. Sometimes I hear things faster than other times. Sometimes yes. it takes 19 years, sometimes it, it takes more. What's happening? Sometimes we hear it, and sometimes we listen. It's just the grace, really. One of the meek aspects here is grace. I can't put any word on it. It's just grace, but I do know there's a lot of grace around AA. I swear to God. This is like a vortex of juice. AA. There's a lot of grace. If there's a little bit of willingness, a lot can happen in AA. I've been with other groups because I speak to other groups, but AA's got a special something. Maybe because of the dualistic swing, we were so wrecked that there's a nice bounce off of that to go the other way. Yeah? So every time I say I'm an alcoholic, I'm claiming that that's me. That's right. It's okay, though, after a while, but it's nice to know that. You don't have to say, I, I'm not going to say I'm, I'm a grateful member of AA now. It's just tricks. But if you realize, if you start entertaining you're not that, the words won't have the effect they have. But right now, if you're under the trance, the narration in the day will be like a hypnotist. It will just keep you under. Yeah? When the, when the mind's representing your day to you, you're sort of on a time delay. Really, you were unconscious most of you know, and then it tells you what happened. <laughs> What's happening? All right, let's see. Can I know what happened an hour ago? No, about a day time lag. You know, and so you're on a time delay. Yes? So really, <clears throat> what happens is conscious contact is the feeling of being alive, seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, touching. The mental reaction takes time to claim that. Yeah? So... We miss the feeling of seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, touching, and we get an interpretation of I'm seeing, yes? 
And then the emphasis is on what I saw, and I didn't want to see it, and then the selfing just goes off. Yeah? But the basis of living is conscious contact. And so each moment, we have the antidote to what's not happening, because there is something happening. Now, you may not like what's happening, but it has a quality that, something, that what's not happening doesn't have, and that is it's happening. Yeah. This is happening right now. Yeah. You may not be happy about it or bored, but it's happening. This is the antidote to what's not happening. Recognizing what's actually happening will produce an immunity to going into what's not happening. Because if you already have something, quote-unquote, real, it's hard to make false evidence appear real. Yeah? Because something's already appearing real, which is now. That's basically acceptance. Hmm? Acceptance. Yes, acceptance is the easiest thing in the world. For me to be in acceptance here, I don't, I don't have any desire to change anything. I don't have to lift one finger in acceptance. The, but see, the selfing doesn't... It cannot... The identification as self cannot experience acceptance. It's all toleration because it has time involved. Acceptance can only be now, yeah? Because time gives it too much options to be something really unacceptable. <laughs> the mind can start thinking, okay, I can handle this now, but what about then? Yeah? But if there's no then, it's very easy to live in acceptance. Yeah, you just show up. Is the wiring hugely variable across humans, or is it quite tight? What I mean by wiring is um, if, if I continue to have action in the now to knock out the past and the future, is it similar in me that it is to you, or are we quite varied? So the ultra iron woman versus the sedentary 400-pound Well, the physicality and the conditions are different in us, yes? Those are, those are symptoms. But the, but the primary condition is the same. All there is is awareness. Yeah. See you, man. Thank you. Yes? The awareness is, is, not, is not qualified or conditioned here. This place is all conditioned and qualified and degrees, yes? But awareness is not. Awareness is just that. See, for me, it's like the sky. The true mind state is sky-like. So let's say in the sky there's a 4th of July explosions. Does the sky ever get ripped open by those explosions? No. When it rains, the earth gets wet, but does the sky get wet? And when a plane's flying through the sky, do they ever call the uh, terminal and go, hey, I just ran into a bunch of sky up here? No. Yeah? The sky is just, the sky is like space. Well, to me, the sky represents spirit to me. And everything that's appearing in it, yes, which is like these chairs, these tables, us, yes, everything appears in sky, but what appears in sky doesn't affect the sky. So what you are isn't affected by what you're not. Yeah? That's the beautiful news, because there's no way you can blow this. It's not you as this becoming something else. It's recognizing you were never this. I've always been that, and it's always going to be the case. Yeah? This dream is going to end when your body ends. It's just, oh, it's, it's just it's made in time. It has no bearing on what's always so. I've died a few times from a, a overdoses, getting run over by cars, and I'll tell you, when... 
I ended, yes? I mean, ended, and then I booted back up. And I had no memory of that place, yes? Wherever that is. So Paul died, but then in like 10 minutes, I was laying on this bed, I went out, and then I came to after they shot me with Narcan, brings you out of heroin, and there was all these people and the police they must have taken some time to get there, you know? It wasn't like, so some time had passed, and then I booted back up as Paul, and I wasn't actually that happy about it as Paul, as his head, because I was going to get arrested once again. But I had no memory of that other, quote, space. I feel the same way about that space. When you're there, there's no memory of this. There's none of this ever happened. And that's so. <laughs> this is an appearance. <laughs> so... <laughs> When you, when, you, when you end, there won't, won't be anyone missing you as a you. <laughs> it will be as it never happened. said that, like, one thing that's popping into mind when you say that is that energy can either be created or destroyed. Yes, exactly. That's like the space, yeah? So, like, I can do it this way. Maybe this will help, too. So here's a chair. <coughs> Let's say this is a very important... This is just perceptual, yeah? Just to fuck with us. So here's a chair. And maybe this has been here for 40 years. Never moved from this spot. And a lot of important asses have sat on it. A lot of things have happened. <laughs> and so I'm going to move the chair. <clears throat> so I move it. And let's say I move it where you can't see it anymore. Yeah? Now you only, now you only know it was there because of memory which is a mental process. And if you look, did I have to move any space that the chair was taking up in its place? In other words, I have to go, okay, that took up about half a pound of space. And I, okay, now, yeah? And the only effects you would see of the chair are, are on other appearances, like the floor and maybe it rubbed against the wall, yes? So appearances affect appearances, but does, it, does this appearance of a chair affect the space? If you didn't have a memory that it was there, would it ever seem to have been there? No. No, yes? So what's the difference between the chair and me, in a sense, as a body? I appeared. I was born. Exactly, but I, I was born as this, and this is going to go. Yeah? It's going to go. And the only place it, it had any effects was on other appearances. Yeah? If I would go to where I did the most heinous thing in my, my life and back in my hometown, there would be no sign of it in the space it happened in. Yeah? Maybe it was like a, some, there would be a scar in the tree where I ran the car into, but the tree's an appearance. But in the space, there's no effect by whatever appears in it. I'd say we're that space more than the body. That's all. But it may appear as something hmm? else. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, everything can appear, but it comes from the same state, which is space, yeah? So I would say more, uh, we're more like space than we are like body. And I think a lot of our dilemma is based on taking ourselves, not as space, and as a body. That's all. That's the point. And I believe alcoholism is truly a reaction to the original disease, which is addicted to self. The mind being addicted to a, a being a body. I think that's the primary addiction. And then, just like when I got loaded when I was young, it was my, my first solution to alcoholism was alcohol. I was suffering from alcoholism. 
And I wanted freaking relief, and alcohol was my first relief. And it worked for a while. But then, obviously, it, it feeds the beast. So the first inherent dilemma is alcoholism. And that, to me, is just an extreme subdivision of self-centeredness. And everyone here, as a body, is usually rooted in self, as a body. Because if you're taking all your cues from the thought system, it takes you as a body. Just think about yourself in the future right now. <laughs> Where's that spirit I, I am? I've been, I've been saying I'm Darlene and I'm powerless over alcohol for two years Well, actually, what I believe, there's many aspects of what you're not here. Yes? But what you are... See, like, let's say if I'm doing... St. Francis has a beautiful statement. It says, what's looking is what you're looking for. What you came here for is what you came here with. Yeah? It's beautiful. So, what's looking is what you're looking for. So here, I am seeing you. Yeah? I'm seeing you, seeing you, you, you. So maybe there's 15 yous that I am seeing. Yeah? Right now, the verb of seeing, I'm seeing you, is happening. So, I'm seeing you. Now, if you ask who's seeing you, I'd say me. Yeah? And me is the mental presentation of the I. The I, I would say, is spirit that's looking out of every one of our heads. Yeah? So if... If you were looking at me, then you would be the I looking, and I'd be the you that was being looked at. Yeah? And every time, the looking would always be the I that was looking in the room. Yeah? The same I, the same I, looking, spirit, let's say, looking at all these different you's, bodies. Yeah? The mental process goes, it says, I'm looking, but the I to the mental process represents a you. In other words, the I, the mental process says, I am a you, a body called me. Because yeah? this is the body I'm identified as. Yes? So the act is I, always I, seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, touching. Only one I, let's say, spirit, seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, touching. My mental reaction to that is I'm seeing, it claims it. And then he goes, and that's me. And that me is just a you. That I call me. A body. That is the act of being identified as a self. So all day, conscious contact is happening. I'm feeling, seeing, hearing, tasting, touching. And my head is claiming to be the seer, the hearer, the feeler, the taster, the toucher, as this. But in fact, I would say consciousness precedes this. It's, it's coming through this like a lens and having an experience. Because as you, as you said, if you get a chance to see someone you know as a dead body, so it's, for me, I had a distinct hit that that wasn't them. You know? it's just, that's just a body. I was assuming 
that their spirit was a body because I was assuming that I'm a body. But when I saw a dead body, I used to call Uncle Fred. It was like, that ain't Uncle Fred. It was so beautifully clean, you know? So the eye, or the eye-eye, or the spirit, is what's looking. So he says, all right, what you're looking for is what's looking. He's trying to save us tons of time, St. Francis. He says, yeah. If I was blind, and I couldn't see Yeah, it would be another one. This is just... Yes, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. But this, the mind would be also claiming that it was the one that was hearing, yeah. So here's the eye going on and on and on. Where was I now? The eye, seeing. Oh, yeah. So what's looking is the eye, let's say. And then what's looking is what you, as the me, is looking for. Yeah? This is so beautiful. What's looking is the eye, and what's... What, what you are is the me that's looking for. You see it? If, so every time I'm looking, look, every time I'm looking for, that's what's looking. My head says every time Paul is looking for the truth, St. Francis says that's the truth. What's looking? How could it be what's looking? It's me. No. What's looking is what you are looking for. So it's the act of looking is it. There's nothing you're ever going to see as God. It's a verb. Not a noun. It's being. It's not a noun. It's seeing. It's the act of seeing. And it's not you that's seeing. You can believe so, but then you take yourself to be a body, and you're always going to have that moment of death hovering over you your whole fucking life. Because you, as a body, are coming to an end sooner or later. There's no escape. So the process of working steps is what brings us closer. It can help. Yes. This, yeah. Especially the twelfth step, because then all of a sudden you take yourself out of seeing you to be available to. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Just like I said this earlier today. Do you mind? We'll go a little longer. Please. Cooking. All right. So here's an aspect we do a lot of in in recovery, which is service. Yeah. It's almost like a soup mix. If you do service, you're probably going to feel like what you call feeling being out of yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah? Because you'll become available to someone else or something, and when you're available, you'll sense a presence. Yeah? Because only when you're here is the presence able to be felt, because mm-hmm. it's only here. Yeah? When you're in the mental realm of there and then, there's no presence there. It's only here now. So I do service. So I come out of the ass of self, so to speak, pop out, and I'm doing service, and I'm available. And I'm sensing I'm bigger, you know, feeling lighter. I don't really have a name for it, but I call it availability. And then there's a presence. I feel, wow, I feel pretty good. And then what happens is the head in selfing claims it and says, oh, I'm feeling the presence, which is not what's happening. Yes? As soon as the presence, which is... The awareness of gets claimed by the head as an experience bye-bye to the presence. You're back seemingly in selfing again. So now you're back in selfing. And, of course, quicker or longer, you're going to get so irritable, you'll probably do some service. Get out of yourself again. So you get out of yourself. You feel available, and you sense a presence. What can possibly happen? This is what has happened with me. One of those times I entertained I was the presence yeah, 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 yeah. 
I didn't go back up the cave of self. My attention didn't go up there. It stayed there in the presence. Yes? And then when I stayed there in the presence, I realized I'm always available. And if I'm always available, that makes me of service. Yeah. Yes, shit, yeah. That's what's happening. Yes. Just like, you know, in AA they say, some people say, you have to have it to give it away, but I don't believe that. I say, you just have to be willing for it to come through, and it will. Because I was thrust, thrust into situations when I first got sober to run, like, workshops, fourth set workshops, and I did it for 19 years, every Monday night in this place in San Francisco. And 19 years of Monday nights was a lot of Monday nights. And I was in a lot of different circumstances and situations. Sometimes I had no money. Sometimes I was waiting to hear if I had AIDS or not. Sometimes my fairy princess broke up with me five minutes before the meeting. But every time I was willing to sit my ass down there, something happened. Yes? Every freaking time. It batted a thousand. So, like, uh, some of the people, no one was here. You'll have to, we'll do this once again, the door of heaven, yeah? I want to do this one little thing. So here's heaven's door, and I go over there, knock on. God immediately comes, yeah? Because there's no time or space in heaven. (laughs) So he's what? Wow, that was fast. So God opens the door, and I go, God, can I come in? And he looks right at me and says, you can't come in, Paul. Paul can't come in. So I get so fucking dejected. So I go home, and I start thinking, what can I do? Well, I start becoming spiritual. First, I get the look, you know, buy whites and and talk slowly, Kenny G music, whatever. (laughs) Then then I think I'm ready, so I got a good resume, and I knock on the door. God comes, and I say, can I come in? And he looks right at me and goes, Paul, can't come in. So now I flip out, and I start partying. I say, screw this, I don't care. I hate heaven anyway. At least I'm welcome in hell. I'll just da-da-da. So then... Life washes me up on the shores near the door one day, and I wake up at that spiritual awakening. So I walk over to the door, knock on it. God answers the door, and I go, can I come in? And he looks right at me and says, Paul can't come in, and I walk right by. Because he wasn't making, it wasn't a personal statement. He was stating a fact. Yes? Sue, Mary, Jean, any, any spirit identified as a body can't enter the kingdom of heaven not personal. It's just impossible. So as soon as I realized I wasn't this, the whole exile from heaven was all based on my head. Uh, I could have walked in immediately. But see, when you do walk in, time has no meaning, so you never waited or, or missed a bus. There's no missing buses. In that space, there's no time, really, literally. So you never are going to be late when you arrive there. When you arrive there, it will be as if this never happened. Literally, there'll be no longing or anything of that left. Humbly saying, at least in my experience with it. Yeah? Yes. Like I stop with the thing, but I just, that, that trade just keeps, and I get, I'm getting real frustrated about that. I'm having 
Yeah, I do. If you can, if you have that experience, try to hold it as not your thoughts. At least call them alcoholic thoughts. When you when you think they're yours, you're really bound. It's very difficult to get any space. My first experience of space was seeing most of the thoughts going on here were alcoholic. They weren't mine. I'm not special. I'm not sick. I mean, I'm sick, but I'm not bad. All that baloney. And then after that, I entertained that I. Most thoughts aren't mine. Yes, and that's the immunity to thoughts. The immunity comes from not see, seeing that you're not the my. They're not yours. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, relieve me from the bondage of self. Is a, is, that's a daily way of living. It's not like an event. You live as if you've been relieved of the bondage of self because you're not taking yourself seriously anymore. <laughs> you're not. I don't take most other selves seriously. Yeah. I may feel for you, but fuck it, really. <laughs> what causes me bondage to a self is the my, not the self. I'm identified as it. Then I have keen interest issue, in it. On that issue that I was saying, uh, it's just uh, like, you know, the, the thought pattern I had, I thought, and when I, when I thought about it, was like to come to so many meetings, like sometimes I'd even double my meetings in one day just to stop these parental thoughts. But, but is that just something that, that I'm kind of like trying to claim? No, I would do that. If they're that extreme, get out of yourself by going to a meeting or helping somebody. But while, you, while there's the seeing of the thoughts, throw in another little statement, which is, you know, I may not be the thinker of these. They not be, may not be mine, you know. Or just ask a subjective question. Who is it? Who are you? Yeah? Ask yourself. And when it says whatever answer, ask that again. Who am I? In other words, instead of having the subjectivity assumed by the yapping, question the yapping subjectively. Find out who it is. If it isn't you, you, it may lose power over you. And I'm saying it ain't you. It's a mental process. Seriously. What do you mean by that? What do you mean mental the mental process, part of the brain and the aspect of its activities, the mind, is producing a sense of a self. That's what it does. It's a body apparatus, the brain, and it's producing itself as being what you are. And it's forgetting that you may possibly be spirit. And I believe that's the source of our suffering. We've forgotten our real nature and we assume our false nature. And our false nature is going to come to an end. And it changes and it's circumstantial based on conditionings. Maybe you're beautiful for 20 years, then you're not for 50. <laughs> a lot of things can happen here. Yeah, it's like, uh, like Jesus says, don't build your house on sand. You know? builds your identity on something that's going to come and go, there's always going to be a sense of anxiety around that. So I would wake up, entertain now. For me, I believe the mind's ability is to entertain possibilities. And with this one thing of being identified as self, I needed to hear it from some outside source because I had no idea what was going on. And then someone pointed it out to me and it rang true. Yeah? That's why I'm, I, I don't know why I show up here, but that's, I would say, that's my story about showing up here. I'm just trying to pass on what happened to me, to my tribe members, because I love AA, and um, you have the right to hear this. I don't care if you do anything with it or not, but you have the right to hear it, because I didn't hear it a long, long time. 
And I finally did. And it was like an unspoken yes. Something happened. And that unspoken yes had been reverberating for the last 12, 13, 13 years. So, and uh, my life, though not always pleasant, physically I have a lot of trouble, but I travel so much lighter than ever before. Yeah. <laughs> that's the proof in the pudding, really. It's just the traveling lighter. You can't, the circumstances of your life may not change, yeah? If you're going to get fired, you may get fired, but you'll travel lighter through them all. That's the joy of it to me. And then by traveling light, you know the problem by the solution, really. You know the problem is identification as self when that's broken. You'll just know it because you see everything dramatically changes when you're not taking yourself to be that. <laughs> and, you, oh. and it doesn't change for that because it's, you're not that. Yeah? It goes under a lot of revision, but what you are has been steady and perfectly consistently on. That's right. Oh, good, good. Well, I'll throw some sprinkles on it. There you have it. Hey, I'm going to end, eh? I can't hear well. Enough. Any questions, though? You like any, and I have CDs here. If anyone's interested, if you put a, a small donation, I may be able to get a massage tonight. <laughs> These are all different talks. Uh, actually, yeah, some are of them you are. Are going to be uploading this? Yeah, okay. I'll be uploading this. I have a website, too, if you're interested, called zenbitchslap.com. Zen Bitch Slap. Yeah. Oh, my God. I am the Zen Bitch Slap guy. <laughs> my voice sounds that off today? What? No, I'm not, actually. That's the good news. I'm not the Zen Bitch Slap guy. <laughs> That's how I can be the Zen Bitch Slap guy. The way you can really be who you are is by being, by being not that. When the mind takes this to be you, you're going to be an urban renewal project the rest of your life. It's always going to find fault and excessive concern over the smallest little fucking things. When it lifts, I tell you, things get, the body, it's the greatest day for the fucking body when the mind stops calling itself this, really. I mean, the body can just, woo! Yeah. Yeah. Process of step four. The process, oh, the process of step four. Relieving of the bondage of yeah. self. Yeah, yeah, take it, well, because what you do is. You take that inventory of that as into what happened. Yes. By seeing its nature or its character, mm -hmm. the self, Yes? So that when it appears again, you recognize it. When you recognize it, you must be somewhere else to see it. So you can say, this isn't my dog, I don't want it. That's right, exactly. It's when it's your dog, then there's a lot of conflict getting rid of it. Right. Or it's, and it's even worse if you're identified as the dog. Mm -hmm. 
See? For all these actions that were performed. Yes. Yes. See, if you're taking over, look at the first step in AA. It says we were powerless over alcohol. Where does all guilt and shame arise from? You being the personal doer. Mm -hmm. Yeah? But it says in our program, you were powerless over alcohol. So basically, it was like you were dancing with a gorilla, and it's going to stop when it wants to stop, yeah. not you. Yeah. yeah? And yet, your mind still keeps claiming all of that behavior and, and producing guilt and shame around it. You've got to see it. See the insanity of this thing. And that's what four is for. The four, yeah. The, if you look at it as a foreign installment, you can be free. Therefore, because let's say if, if it's your kid that's fucked something up, you'll make tons of excuses for it, right? And rationalizations and stories about it. But if it's just a kid, you can tell the truth about it. Yeah? It's a beautiful sense. The act of identifying is a verb. It's an act of bonding to an idea of being a self. That's what's happening. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I just have one question. That word rejection. Yes. Take two. There's two different ones. Yeah, I have this one too. It's a good one. Oh, rejection for me, I grew into. Yeah, I was afraid that I was, there was a belief in me that I wasn't enough. So my life was really about a song and dance trying to cover that up. And the way to deal with it was, if I was afraid that I wasn't going to get what I want, I just stopped asking for what I wanted. I played it really small in life. I played it really big in drug and alcohol, but every other aspect I played very small. I was afraid to ask for what I wanted. Or I was afraid to even tell someone how I felt about them. Yeah. How do you remedy that? I mean, how, how, how I remedied that was in AA. It says, all right, I'll do one more thing. I'll do one more thing. <laughs> Where it talks about when you sincerely take this position of reliance on something greater than itself, it says that you'll feel a new power flow in, yes? You'll be able to enjoy peace of mind, and then you'll be able to face life successfully. So here I am in AA. I go to my first AA dance, which was my last AA dance. I don't know if there are better dances up here in America. <laughs> so I went to my first AA dance. I was maybe eight months sober. I don't know what. I don't know how long. <clears throat> and I was on the men's side, and there was the women's side. And there was like balls like this, disco balls. And no one was dancing yet. So I was going to be like the scout for the men's side. I was going to go over and ask this girl and start the dance off. So I, I was drinking lots of Calistoga. It would have been beer before, you know, but I was trying to get some, some f liquid uh, balls, so to speak. You know, I had a big carbonated bubble, that's about all, and about six of them. So I decided to walk across. So it's like a no man's land. And I'm afraid of being rejected. That's a fear that's hovered over me for quite a while. Yeah, that's fear. So I walk up to this girl, and I like, I like this girl from afar, and I asked her out to dance, and she said no. Yeah? And at that moment, I had the experience of being rejected. Without drugs, without, and without rationalizing or excuses, or, oh, she sucks, or she's not even pretty. I didn't want to go. No, I wanted to dance with her. She was pretty, and she didn't suck. Yeah? My mind, yeah? So I turned around, and I looked, and now it was like a minefield. Yeah? And I was walking across, and the, 
the disco balls are like spotlights. I thought everyone was seeing me without a scalp coming back to the men's side. And I walked in, but when I arrived on the men's side, I learned I could face life successfully. I could ask for what I want and have someone say no without flipping out, without fucking running out and getting loaded or blaming her or rationalizing I hated her anyway. No, I wanted to dance with her, and I would have liked to get to know her, but she said no. Yeah? It was wonderful. It was very painful for the head. The head like shrunk, but then it exploded into some freedom. And so I took a lot of chances in AA. It's a safe place to take chances, just like these people did with this committee and putting it on. You take chances, yeah? And then you find out. You don't know everything's going to be okay. You find out that everything's okay. It's much better than knowing when you just find out that you're taken care of. Yeah? That's called the living abandonment of oneself. Just like when I come here. I just, someone got in touch with me, asked me to come, and I said, all right. I never check out what's happening. I just show up. I got sick as hell, and that's the way it went. What are you going to do? Yeah. You just suit up and show up. You show up, and then all the while, sick or not, 